turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We're in our heroic series. Heroic series. And the title of my message today is Battle Strong. Battle Strong. If you were to say to me, hey, pastor, you know, what's, what's your job? What, what, what do you... You know, what do you, what do, you do all week? What, what's your, your planning and preparation for Sunday? My planning, my preparation is to help you become battle strong. That was a partly cloudy response right there. But anyway, uh, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5 verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant for your adversary. For your adversary. How many people believe the Bible? Anybody here believe the Bible? Okay. Uh, the Bible says, for your adversary. I'm not sure if you've ever kind of uh, studied the word adversary, but the word adversary literally means, look it up in the dictionary, the word adversary means one who actively opposes. Be sober, be vigilant for your adversary, one who actively opposes roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So, so let me just tell you this as a, as a kind of a preface. Uh, there is no neutral ground. There's no neutral ground. Now you may say, well, hang on, well, I don't, you know, I, I really don't want to mess with the devil. You know, I kind of feel that, you know, if I don't attack him, he'll just leave me alone and I've got a, you know, white flag. I'm waving the white flag. You, you need to understand that just because you have a white flag and have chosen a, a position of passivity and non-aggression uh, doesn't mean that you are exempt from warfare. And I'll explain why. When the devil looks at you, he doesn't see your white flag and he doesn't see your neutrality. He doesn't see your passivity. What he sees is your reflection. What he sees is that you are an image bearer of the, the God who dismissed him from his post, who evicted him from heaven and cast him into the earth. And when he sees you, he sees the, the image of the Almighty and he is filled with hostility and hatred that fuels an intent to destroy your life. So you may say, Pastor, I don't want to hear what you're saying. I want to live under the delusion, but I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I love you too much to, to, to not tell you the truth. You and I are engaged in a spiritual warfare. So come with me and we'll see. Ephesians 6 verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, this is the, the Apostle Paul, he's, it's the last chapter of Ephesians. And so he's coming, coming to a close. His bases are loaded and, and now he's kind of sliding into, into, into home base. And he's saying, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So he's telling us there that there is warfare and there is an enemy. There is an enemy who wants to rob from you. Jesus said in John 10.10 10, that the thief, speaking about the devil, comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So if, if passivity was the solution, I would be preaching to you passivity. If I said, hey, listen, you know, don't, don't throw a stone at a, at a 
a hornet's nest. Don't, don't uh, you know, jump into a rattlesnake den. If I was to say, hey, avoid the devil and you'll have a life of peace, if that was the truth, the Bible would teach us that. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches us that you and I have an enemy who will attack you whether you're good, bad, ugly, whatever. He has one intention, and that is to destroy as many. He knows he's going to hell. Now, let me just tell you this. God did not create hell for human habitation. Most Christians don't believe in hell and they choose not to. But can I just tell you, God did not create hell for humans to go there. The Bible says in Matthew 25, Jesus speaking, He says, Then I will say to those on my left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. It was never prepared for human occupation. It was never prepared for human habitation. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. It is not God's will that any should perish. But the devil knows that he's going there. So to him, it's a numbers game. He is trying to take as many people to hell as he can. And I've got to tell you, not only is he successful there, but he's successful right here and now, making sure that people are living in hell right here and now. They're living in hell in their mind. They're living in hell with their finances. They're living in hell with their relationship. They're living with hell in their emotions. Can I tell you, Jesus Christ came to set you free. So the Apostle Paul is trying to teach us something. Somebody say battle strong. For we wrestle not, verse 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may, may be able to withstand in the evil day. Now, having done all to stand, stand therefore. Now, I want you to take note of this, this part of the next verse. Having girded your waist with truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Verse 16, above all. Now, how many people know when it says above all, it means above all? It means underscore this. Pay close attention. Give special concentration to this thing. Above all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, let me just kind of pause there for a second. If you look at verse 16, sorry, uh, verse 14, it says, having girded your waist with truth. Having is past tense. When you get saved, when you become a Christian, you, you, you have a breastplate of righteousness. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You now have the belt of truth. You now have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. But then the Apostle Paul says, this is what you, what you don't get automatically. This is something you got to build. This is something you got to lift. This is something you got to elevate. This is something you got to be mindful of. He says, above all, taking up the shield of faith. We're going to do a short intermission. If we can throw this down, I want you to watch this movie clip from one of my favorite movies of all time, speaking of heroic. So feast your eyes on the screen. The wall is solid. It'll do the job of funneling the Persians into the hot gates. Captain, have the men found any route through the hills to our back? None, sire. There is such a route, good king. Just past that western ridge. It's an old goat path. The Persians could use it to outflank us. Not one step 
closer. Monster. Wise King, I humbly request an audience. I'll skew you where you stand. I gave no such order. Forgive the captain. He is a good soldier. But a bit short on manners. There is nothing to forgive, brave king. I know what I look like. You are the crimson of a Spartan. I am Ephialtes, born of Sparta. My mother's love led my parents to flee Sparta, lest I be discarded. Are your shield and armor? My father, sir. I beg you, bold king, to permit me to redeem my father's name by serving you in combat. My father trained me to feel no fear, to make spear and shield and sword as much a part of me as my own beating heart. I will earn my father's armor, noble king, by serving you in the battle. <laughs> Find trust. I will kill many Persians. Raise your shield. Sire. Raise your shield as high as you can. Your father should have taught you how our failings works. We fight as a single impenetrable unit. That is the source of our strength. Each Spartan protects the man to his left, thigh to neck, with his shield. A single weak spot, and the phalanx shatters. From thigh to neck, Ephialtes. I am sorry, my friend. But not all of us were made to be soldiers. But I... If you want to help in a Spartan victory, yes. clear the battlefield of the dead, tend the wounded, bring them water. But as for the fight itself, I cannot use you. Mother! Father! You are wrong! You are wrong! Leonidas! You are wrong! Taking up the shield of the faith, not discarding it. So let me give you uh, three quick points this morning. Uh, and you'll find it'll tie into to that powerful movie. First of all, number one, faith is a shield. Faith is a shield. The Bible says, lifting up the shield of faith by which you're able to extinguish some of. By which you're able to extinguish all the fiery darts of the evil one. Now, let me just tell you this, that the shield of faith, the way that we lift it is we, we align ourselves with the truth. Because the devil shoots fiery darts, which are lies, which are accusations. 
The enemy will send accusations and he will send lies your way. You have a breastplate of righteousness. You have a belt of truth. You have feet shod. But unless you are able to lift up the shield of faith, those things will penetrate and begin to dismantle and begin to bring you down. That They'll begin to wear you down, the war of attrition. So therefore, can I just say to you that you are the smartest people in San Diego because you made a decision, 10 a.m., I'm going to skip the Chargers game entertainment and I'm going to be here in church because my shield needs some development. My shield needs some strengthening. My shield needs some lifting. See, in this life, the enemy will, will constantly accuse you. He will constantly send his fiery darts. I remember many years ago when I was in Bible school feeling so... Uh, so guilty because uh, uh, I met another youth pastor and tragically this youth pastor was telling me how he was engaged to his fiance at that moment and he wasn't attracted to her. And I said, well, I don't even understand that. What, if you're not attracted, why would you? He said, oh, so I don't fall before I get married. And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh Jesus, I suck. I said, I'm not even engaged to Liam, but I'm already thinking honeymoon thoughts. Oh God, I'm so carnal. Oh God, how could you even use me? True story. And I remember sitting in the bottom of the shower saying, God, I'm just so lusty. Like it's true. I can't wait to get married. And I'm looking for, and I'm like, God, you can't. And I felt so guilty. I felt so disqualified. And, I, and, I, and you know, and constantly, you know, bombarded by thoughts and so, so the devil said to me, because you're tempted, it's because you're weak. Because you're tempted, it's because there's something wrong with you. And so I lived under the guilt and the shame and, and disqualification almost to the point where I thought, well, maybe I should just give up on serving God because here's this man of God who got engaged to someone he's not even attracted to. Turned out years later, he, that, that young man today is in jail because he became a predator to the young boys in the youth group. But I fell under guilt, shame and condemnation because the fiery darts of the devil. And let me tell you, there are Christians who think, well, I just, I'll just shout at the devil or I'll just get more motivated or more passionate with the devil. You don't defeat the devil through passion. You don't defeat the devil through emotion. You don't defeat the devil through intellect. You don't defeat the devil any other way except in alignment with God's truth. Jesus, three times in the wilderness, when Satan shot his fiery darts, said, it is written, it is written, it is written. Do you know what is written? The devil will make sure every time you read the Bible, you start getting sleepy, you start falling asleep. He'll try and tell you it's boring, it's outdated, it's irrelevant, it doesn't even make sense. Why are you even reading this? He will do whatever he can to try and stop you from building your life on the Word of God, from hearing and receiving the Word of God. Why? Because he knows in the, the story of the failings, if you don't have a shield that you can lift, then his fiery darts can find a penetration and find a home and bring its ultimate design, which is your destruction and demise. Lift up the shield of faith. Faith is a shield. Now, let me just tell you this. If you're offended because Pastor John talked about the flag, let me just explain something. The flag, old glory, has got nothing to do what's in the hearts of men. Racism has got nothing to do with the 13 stripes and the 50 stars. Racism exists in the hearts of men. 
refusing to honor the flag that has brought liberty and peace and freedom, a flag that men and women have spilt their blood for, does not show in any way uh, uh, somehow that you are standing for righteousness and it's not righteous enough. For goodness sake, it, the wickedness exists in the hearts of men, not in the flag that flies over this nation. Now let me just tell you something else while I got the microphone. Let me just tell you something else. I love you too much. We have, we have as many people, as many visitors leave as join the church. And I honestly, I, I could care less. Because my Bible, when I read the book of Acts, it says none of them dared join the church because they knew if they joined that church, they had to change. This isn't a country club. But the Lord added daily those who were being saved. None of them dared join the church. So I refuse to, to drop truth. I refuse to dilute truth. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why, because I want you to be battle strong. And if I start preaching, if I start watering down the Word of God, all I succeed in doing is weakening your shield. All I succeed in doing is diminishing the size of your shield. But when I align myself with the truth, can I just tell you the definition of integrity? And I learned this from Pastor Phil Pringle. Integrity is siding with God against yourself. Siding with God against yourself. I can't tell you how many times my flesh has been in agreement with the debt and I have to make a decision. I'm going to now, integrity requires me, it behoves me to line up with the Word of God and choose the Word over myself. This is what I've discovered. The devil is a liar. He is the father of lies. And the antidote to lies is the truth. Can I tell you, deliverance is, is not so much a power encounter as it is a truth encounter. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. We've been living in a climate of political correctness. And what political correctness is, it's a Trojan horse to diminish and dissolve truth. It doesn't want you to know the truth. It wants you to live void of truth so that if you can live in a place where truth is, is relative and truth is dismissed from the equation, well, then it knows that in the absence of truth, there is no freedom. But Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Faith is a shield. Faith is a shield. It's a shield that we lift. I can't tell you how many times the enemy has come against me, come against us, come against the church with his lies, with his accusations, with guilt, shame, condemnation, you know, false words, doom. You know, I, I, when we first had a move of God, people said, listen, don't have a move of the Spirit. If you have a move of the Spirit, you, you, people will leave your church. Oh, what do we do? And then we had a move of the Spirit and people got healed and people got saved, but we lost, you know, half of our congregation. People left. I realized that people wanted to go to church. They just want to meet God. Because God will, God will mess with your life. I'm serious. You're kind of, you know, hooked up, you know, sleeping together before you're married. And then, you know, you go to a church where God's Spirit, you start feeling guilty. I'm going to find a church where I don't meet God. I still want to check the box. I still want to go to heaven. I just don't know if I want to feel guilty and change my life because I like my life and I like. So you will find that not everybody wants to find God when they come to church. But I made a decision, even though our, our finances, you know, basically went in half. These people were giving money. And then I remember another guy saying, hey, listen, you know, don't, don't, whatever you do, don't preach this. This millionaire doesn't like when you preach this. I said, I don't care. And the, this gentleman was on my board. He says, oh, no, pastor, you, we need this person. And this person's not happy. I said, well, my job's not to make them happy. <laughs> Pastor, you can't talk like that. We need that person. No, we don't. No, we don't. 
The same God who started the church is not now limping saying, Jurgs, I've done the best I can. It's up to you from here. No, no. The same God who began the church is the same God who's building the church, who's taking us from glory to glory, who's still in our future. He's still giving us buildings. He's still giving us territory. We bought a new building up at north. We've got another one south. Next year, we're going to go east. And then we're going to start hitting regions. Lift up the shield of faith. Lift up the shield of faith. Lift up the shield of faith. Romans 10, 17 says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Listen to me. Church is so important because it's the only place that will preach to you the Word of God. And you, listen, don't, don't find a church where it's just always comfortable and it, and it appeases your flesh. There should be, oh, in church. There should be, oh, man, I can't believe he said that. I want to punch that pastor right in there. There should be those moments. If you're not feeling convicted, if you're not feeling challenged, if you're not, if there are not days where you're like, man, I didn't want to hear, I know I needed to, but I didn't. There, more often than not, I sit under the word of God and man, you got me again. Scripture says in the book of Proverbs, remove your foot from evil. I'm like, God, how did you even know I was there? He's like, I got, I got you. I'm like, oh man. The Bible says he knows you're rising up and you're sitting down. He knows you're going in and you're coming out. God knows you. You should belong to a church that challenges you. You should feel convicted. Well, you know, that church talks about money. Jesus spoke more about money than he spoke about heaven and hell. Why? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's not that God wants or even needs your money. It's got nothing to do with the money. It's got everything to do with your heart. Because if he doesn't have your treasure, he doesn't have your heart. Because the scripture says, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And so I will not be a church that shrinks back because I fear the faces of men and don't challenge you about your treasure, honoring God above everything else with your treasure because people get their knickers in a knot and people get upset. I refuse to go there because I know that if you honor God with your treasure, then he will have your heart. But I've got to tell you, every Every single person that I've had in my life, 30 years of being a Christian, that has a problem with people talking about money in church, they just have a problem with money. The only disciple I ever see complaining about the offering was Judas. Why this waste? This should have been given to the poor. He made Jesus look bad. This woman comes in, breaks her alabaster jar, $50,000 on Jesus' feet. And Judas is like, whoa, what a waste. This should have been given to the poor. I can't believe Jesus is so wasteful. Judas looks righteous and Jesus looks like. But the Bible says this he said not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. Being the possessor of the, the money bag, he used to take what was put in it. People that complain the loudest about giving. In my 31 years as a Christian, always are the thieves that steal what belongs to God. See, we don't give the tithe. You either bring it or you steal it. That's the only two options the Bible gives. Pastor, you just became even more unpopular. I know. But if I preach to you the truth, the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. Number two, faith creates a canopy. Faith creates a canopy. I want you to get this. So we saw it in the movie there. He says to Ephialtes, you can't be part of my army because you can't lift the shield from knee or from thigh 
to neck, from thigh to neck. You have to be able to lift it because we interlock as one unit. It becomes a phalanx. And, and one, one breach, one breakdown, the whole thing crumbles. So your shield becomes a canopy. So watch this. The Bible says that salvation comes to you and your household. Salvation comes to you and your household. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, says, by faith Noah built the ark. By faith Noah built the ark, yet Shem, Ham, and Japheth, his three three boys, and their wives were saved from a global flood, not because of their faith, but because of Papa's faith. So his faith created a canopy that his family... See, the devil wants to attack your faith. So we're going to attack your children. So we're going to attack your posterity. So we're going to attack your future. So he can steal, kill, and destroy. But your faith creates a canopy. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Because my faith, I know, creates a canopy. You'll find all the way through Scripture, when Jesus comes to Zacchaeus, who's up in the tree, Zacchaeus repents, and Jesus' faith has come to this whole house today. Because he knew that his faith immediately... Shoots out a canopy. Uh, when the in, in Mark chapter two verse five, there's a powerful story where four men carry a paralytic, and they carry a paralytic to a house where Jesus is ministering. When they get there, they can't get in because of the crowd. So the Bible says they go up onto the roof and they begin to dismantle the roof and they lower him through the roof into the presence of Jesus on the floor. And the Bible says this: It says when Jesus saw. Their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Pick up your mat and walk. The man hadn't said it. It wasn't that Jesus saw the paralytic's faith. He saw their faith because their faith saved him. Your faith is designed as an interlocking phalanx shield that doesn't just save you. It saves the man on your left. It saves the man on your right. It saves all who come under it. The devil doesn't want there to be a canopy of faith over your house, over your home, over your community. But can I just tell you, when you lift up the shield of faith, you create a canopy. What does that canopy do? It does two things. The first thing that canopy does is it extinguishes all the fiery darts of the devil. I can't tell you how many times the devil has told me the price of you building a church in San Diego is your firstborn. You're going to lose your firstborn because that's the price. He's a liar. And he and even one night spoke to me in a dream where he showed me in, in the book of Joshua, Joshua destroyed Jericho. And he said, let no one ever rebuild Jericho. The man who tries to rebuild it will lay the foundation with his firstborn and then finish the gate with his youngest and the devil trying to tell me see that's the price for for building a city but the devil is a liar and and God spoke to me and says no no I gave my firstborn so that you don't have to sacrifice your firstborn the devil is a liar so Leanne and I have scriptures that we've gone to where we've had to war and had to fight for our kids, where we've had to war and fight for our marriage, where we've had to war and fight for our family. But this is what I know. It's a canopy over my house and every fiery dart gets extinguished in that canopy. Not only do I extinguish, not only do we extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy, but you know what faith does? Faith draws the power of God. Faith draws the blessing of God. Hebrews 11, by faith, they receive their dead back to life. By faith, they pass of the Red Sea. By faith, they conquered the promised land. By faith, they sacked cities. By faith, they took down giants. When you put up a shield of faith, it draws the power of God. Read in the Scriptures how many times blind Bartimaeus by the side of the road, Jesus says, your faith has made you whole. The woman with the issue of blood comes through, touches the hem of Jesus' garment. Jesus says, who touched me? 
The disciples said, the crowd is thronging you. Everybody's bumping in. Everybody's pouring at you. He said, I'm not talking about thronging. Somebody touched me. I felt virtue. I felt power leave me. And when the woman came trembling, realizing she couldn't go hidden, unnoticed, Jesus says to her, oh daughter, your faith has made you whole. The devil doesn't want you to have a shield of faith. He doesn't want you to have a canopy of faith. He doesn't want you to be in church. He doesn't want you leaning in. He doesn't want you to go to a church where you're going to be challenged, where you're going to feel uncomfortable, where you're going to, where you're going to have those. He doesn't want you there because he, he wants to weaken your shield. He wants to weaken your canopy so that his fiery dust can get through and so there can be a diminishing of the blessing of God. But you will find all the time the woman with the, the, uh, the demonized daughter comes to Jesus. Jesus, like, first of all, he ignores her. Then he says to her, listen, I wasn't sent to you, lost sheep of Israel. Then a third time she persists and he says, listen, it's not fit for me to take the children's bread and toss it to little dogs. He offends her. And she says, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Jesus says, oh, daughter, great is your faith. Let it be as you desire. Can I just tell you, there's something about faith. There's something about faith. What did it do? It saved her daughter. Her daughter was healed from that very moment, the Bible says, because of her faith. The devil doesn't want you to have faith. How does faith come? Romans 10, 17. If we can throw it up on the screen. Romans 10, 17 says this. Now faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's why we're doing stadium night. That's why we do my city. That's why we do society. That's why we do party in the desert. That's why we we're having right now eight services ready to go to nine and then 10 services. Why do we do that? And then we have youth services and alliance in the next one. Why do we do that? Because I know if we can preach the gospel, I know if we can preach the truth, I know if we can preach the word of God, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Just you sitting here listening to the word of God today, your faith is getting enlarged. Your shield is getting stronger. That shield doesn't just protect you. That shield becomes a canopy over your future, over your dreams, over your children, over your marriage, over your family over your destiny faith is a canopy number three number three I know it's not popular I, actually can we throw this scripture up before we go into number three let's throw this scripture up uh, throw up Psalm 144 verse 1 and 2 this, this is my favorite scripture it used to be a song blessed be the Lord my rock who trains my hands for war Psalm 144 Verse 1 and 2, Psalm 144, verse 1 and 2. It says, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Watch this, verse 2. G David is describing who God is. My loving kindness, my fortress, my high tower, my deliverer, my shield, and the one in whom I take refuge, who subdues the people under me. David knew what the shield, the canopy was. There's a guy called uh, Max Dukes. Max Dukes lived in New York. He did not believe in Christ or in Christian training. He refused to take his children to church even when they asked to go. This is a couple of hundred years ago. Since then, Max Dukes has had 1,026 descendants. 300 were sent to prison for an average term of 13 years. 190 of them were public prostitutes. 680 were admitted alcoholics. His family thus far has cost the state in excess of half a million dollars. They have made no contribution to society that is of any benefit. Jonathan Edwards lived in the same state, in the same city, at the same time as Dukes. They went to the same college. 
He loved the Lord and saw that his children were in church every Sunday. He served the Lord to the best of his ability. He has had 929 descendants. Of these, 430 became ministers of the gospel. 86 became university presidents. 75 authored, authored books. Five were elected to U.S. Congress, two to the Senate, and one was vice president. His family has never cost the state one cent, but has contributed immeasurably to the life of society. Don't let the devil lie to you that somehow your faith, that your faith is only a personal thing. The devil will try and tell you that. We live in a society where the devil will try and tell you, well, you know, my faith is a personal thing. Your faith is never a personal thing. Your faith creates a canopy that your children and your grandchildren benefit from. Your faith creates a a canopy that your friends and people that come in. Can I just tell you, even as you're standing there in worship, lifting your heart, uh, your hands and your heart to the Lord, singing in worship, the person who is standing behind you, the person who's standing behind you will all of a sudden feel, my God, I feel a peace here. My, my God, I feel a presence here. I don't understand what I'm feeling. Your faith has already created an atmosphere around you that is beginning to touch and beginning to impact other people. The devil is a liar. Don't believe it, that your faith is something that is personal your faith is powerful and your faith is a canopy somebody say amen the last one number three really quickly is offense and defense offense and defense offense and defense you can't win a football game without offense and defense you can't win in life unless you have offense and defense. And the Bible says, above all, taking up the shield of faith. The Apostle Paul is trying to say, hey, hey, you need to have more than just a thrust. Ephialtes could not join the 300 because he had a great thrust, but he had an inability to lift the shield. I've been a Christian for 31 years, and one of the saddest things, and this is not a 31-year epidemic. This has been going on for thousands of years. One of the saddest things that I've seen in, in Christendom is how many people have a great thrust. They have a great gift. They have a great preaching ability. They have a great leadership ability. They have a great anointing. They have a great calling on their lives. And so they think that because of that, they should be immediately elevated to the platform. But when I talk to them, they have no regard for team. So, so here, Ephialtes, in the movie clip that we just saw, King Leonidas says, you can't come with me on the battlefield. He says, but you can still serve. You can still play a part. Clear the battlefield of the dead and bring water to those who are wounded. But at that, this guy says, no, no, I don't do team. See, he's been so rejected and so broken that he's become relationally deficient. And so all he cares about is himself. So watch this. The first, he's bowing his knees saying, great king, great king. It would be an honor to redeem my father's name. He was also a Spartan. You know, I want to fight. This one thing, if you watch the movie and forgive the spoiler alert, he gets offended and he immediately goes to the enemy. The 300 would have destroyed the over 1 million Persian army had Ephialtes not taken a root of bitterness and gone and worked for, I can't tell you how many Christians I've seen that refuse to be part of the team. Do you know what it takes to get on this stage? We see these talented musicians and singers, but you look at the backstory. For six months, they're just serving. They're serving out the back. They're, they're, they're bringing water. They're, they're rolling up leads. They're, before anyone gets on the platform, we test their heart. Because if you can't be part of team, 
A lot of people, there's a lot of people that have a thrust. Oh, they tell me about that thrust. I used to be a pastor. I was a leader. I was a minister. I'm an apostle. God has called me to be a bishop. And that's awesome. Wonderful thrust. But I need you to lift your shield. I need you to show me that you can play team. I need you, I need you, I need you to minister to the wounded who lay on the, I need you to just sit and cheer. I need you, if you can't, then you can't have. That's why we have connect, grow, serve, lead. Jesus came as a servant. And he's looking for people who are willing to serve. Ephialtes couldn't serve. He just wanted to thrust. He just wanted to redeem. He had his own agenda. Your own agenda doesn't work in team. You got to lay down your own agenda. There's one vision. It's whatever King Leonidas says, whatever the leader says. You got to lay down your vision and trust that God will take care of that as you serve another man's vision. Heavenly Father, we just thank you today for your word. Lord of God, as we come to a close, I know there are people here who are away from you. They've drifted from you. Many of these people here are being hurt, being hit, being wounded by some of the fiery darts of the devil. We say no more. We say not today, not on my watch. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for these sons and daughters who today have come out to your house to hear the word of God. I thank you, Lord God, that that this congregation is not a congregation that just come to have their, their ears tickled every week with fancy, philosophical, watered down points, but they come because they want to hear the truth even when it hurts, even when it wounds, even when it challenges, because they're committed to the truth. The Bible says, let the righteous strike me. It shall be a kindness. Let my head not refuse it. It is like the precious anointing oil. Father, I I pray for those today who are away from you, disconnected from you. They've drifted from you. Maybe they've walked away, turned away, ran away. Maybe they were duped by the devil that some sin was worth. There is no sin. There is no sin that is worth missing out on your eternal salvation.